Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. Hello, good evening and welcome to Eyewitness News Live from our studio here at number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka, Accra. My name is Zoe Abubeiduadu and I'm here with... Eno Safo. Coming up over the next 90 minutes, Parliament likely to vote on controversial e-levy today as a meeting between the minority and the finance minister ends in a stalemate for the second time. Consultations have been made every day. Discussions go on. You hear party leaders speak on the, on the policy, MPP is for it, and this is against it. Oh. When this happens in a civilized democracy, you put it to a vote. We are live in Parliament this evening. Also coming up, National Labour Commission seeks an interlocutory injunction to force the University Teachers Association of Ghana to call off its three-week-old strike. And later on Eyewitness News, we'll be doing some party politics where the NPP has set July 14th to 16th to elect new national officers. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and other stories. And in business... State institutions record losses running into 5 billion Ghana cities, and that's according to the 2020 Auditor General's report. Nina W. joins us in the next 50 minutes for more in the world of business. Eyewitness News is live across the country on all our affiliates and around the globe on City Newsroom. Dot com. Your comments are welcome via WhatsApp line 0549986996. You can tweet at me at Zoe Abubedu or City973. The hashtag is citynewsroom.com. Tonight we begin from Parliament. The issue of the controversial e-levy has been topical again this week. Now, the NDC or the Minority Caucus held a town hall meeting in the Ashanti Regional Capital, Kumasi. Yesterday, the government um, also sought to sensitize citizens um, in the eastern region and the Minister for Communication and Digitalization, Esla Ousu Ekufu, as well as the Minister for Finance, um, were there to give reasons as to why the e-levy um, was a good deal for Ghanaians. Tonight, Parliament is in session. Now, the majority leader, Osei Chairman Sabunsu, has already announced in Parliament a few minutes ago that the e-levy may be tabled for consideration this evening. Let's listen to him. Speaker, in accordance with Standing Order 160 Sub 2, and subject to Standing Order 53, the Business Committee submits to this Honorable House the order in which this of the House shall be taken during the week. Speaker, the order for the businesses for the various days have been set out, except, Speaker, to observe that for this week's business, we slated that the the e-levy bill will be considered next week 
But there have been some consultations which began yesterday. The speaker, the, the consultations are by concluding. If they conclude positively, then perhaps we can consider the uh, e-levy today. If they don't conclude positively, then um, they go to next. Speaker, with that, I beg to submit the draft work program for next week. Thank you. So that was Osei Chairman Sabonso, who is the majority leader. Um, he spoke a few minutes ago and said that uh, the e-levy may be tabled for consideration. I had earlier mentioned that the minority in parliament um, on Monday um, held a town hall meeting on the e-levy in Kumasi. And they said or they have insisted that they will still kick against the e-levy. We'll be going to parliament to speak to our parliamentary correspondent, Duke Mensah Opoku, who has been there all morning. Um, um, thanks for joining us, Duke. Now, we know that the minority yesterday held a meeting with the finance minister, um, Ken Oforiata, before he left for that town hall meeting in um, Koforidua. That meeting ended in a, in a stalemate. We know also that today he met them. What was the result or outcome of that meeting? Uh, so, uh, uh, Zoe, so the... Um information from our sources within that meeting also indicated that there was no headway. In fact, there was uh, no agreeable position between the two parties, after which um, the government has decided that they will then bring the matter to the floor of parliament and um, get it passed uh, with the use of the majority of one on the floor of parliament. So that's what we know. I mean, the, the, the first position which was presented today um, was for uh, was for the rate of the e levy to be um, at a rate of 1.5 percent instead of the initial 1.75 percent. The reduction in 0.25 be, um, being accounted for by the decision of the telcos to also reduce their charges, which would then cover up for the 2.5 percent which government was, uh, which government intended to reduce this to. But we are told that this this uh, proposal, this first proposal, was also rejected by the minority. Uh, at, the, at that point, the government could not go in, uh, any further downwards, and the majority, my, the minority was not also willing to, I mean, um, agree with government's position or government's stance on the matter. So as we speak, as we speak, um, it looks like the route government is going to take is to bring the matter on the floor of the House, which, of course, then would play out with um, strict opposition from the, um, uh, strict with, with, uh, which would be faced with strict opposition from the uh, minority side, um, after which government may then decide, the majority may decide to use its numbers to get the bill, the bill passed. What, what was the, the bill passed? Yes. Mm, what was the minority's response, or uh, I mean, their reason for rejecting the reduction from 1.75 percent to 1.5? What reason did they give? They still maintain that the, 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 for the main the reasons that they've adduced previously. That this is the ELV is not what Ghana needs at this moment in time to bring on toward hardship to Ghanaians. It will um, bring about a lot of, um, uh, it will essentially increase the digital economy, which uh, almost everybody uh, in government or everybody in the uh, in leadership is trying to get uh, that. I.e., a lot of people will not use mobile money 
anymore. A lot of people will try and avoid digital payments so that they do not get affected by this by this um, illness. And as a country, at this point in time, that is not something that uh, we would want at this point in time. So essentially, that is another thing. Another thing which we are told also came up is the fact, which which also got the minority to really, I mean, strengthen their disagreement issues. Is, was, is that we are learning, we are actually learning that government intends to collateralize the proceeds of the e-levy for a number of years uh, for, uh, for a bond. So just as it is the case with the get fund, at some time it was with the root fund, and um, it, it, it's the situation with the get fund as we speak presently. Government wants to essentially collateralize the proceeds, the $6.9 billion per year of the e-levy is expected to take an upfront uh, of a bond which will be used uh, for certain infrastructure projects and what government intends to run uh, roll out in terms of these programs and projects while the proceeds from the e-levy pays that over a period of five years we are told. This is something which the minority did not find I mean enthused or they were not enthused at, uh, with at all and expressed their strong disagreement. So there was no conclusion uh, I would say some form of an agreeable position at the meeting. And um, on the, uh, just before the House started sitting about 20 minutes ago, I saw an order paper addendum. When I uh, order paper addendum was some sort of like an additional agenda for the House to consider. In the original order paper for today, uh, the ELV is not passed, but I've seen an order paper addendum, which indicates that it will be taken at the second reading stage. Now, what that means is that there wouldn't be the withdrawal and reintroduction of any levy. Um, what is currently before the House and was worked on before the House went on recess by the Finance Committee, a report will be presented by the Chairman of the Finance Committee. It will be debated upon. If it is, uh, if the question is put and is passed, it will go to consideration. This is not a very bulky bill. It's just about five pages. So members can spend. And the fact that it's not seeing any changes, members can take it through consideration stage, maybe within an hour. So if everything goes as planned, it may be considered this thing. But what we have been told, what we have been told um, by the minor, by the majority that has just finished presenting the business statement for the week, which has been adopted, he said it on the floor of parliament that within the next hour, the leadership would decide, the leadership would decide with other actors and other stakeholders as to whether the E-Levy should be worked on today. But I must tell you, Joe, that the Speaker of Parliament about 30 minutes ago, left the premises of the House. He's been in his lobby for some time, but because the House was not, proceedings had not begun and was not starting, we've been here since 9 a.m. Meetings have been going on behind the scenes in just 600, but the chamber business itself started around um, 5.15, which is just about 30 or 20 minutes, which is just about 20 minutes ago. So uh, a few minutes after 5, we saw the speaker emerge from his lobby and then get into his um, car, uh, with, uh, with the security detail and, 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 and moved away. So that also has an impact because if it's going to be taken today, then that would mean that either of the second deputy, uh, of the deputy, first or second deputy, have to preside. And that is the situation which brought about all the commotion we witnessed in times past. So we don't know if the speaker would be spoken to to come back and preside so that each side will have their numbers or um, we don't know what would unfold. And, and, and as the majority that has said, in the next an hour, it's indicated that at least latest by 7 p.m. it will be clearer whether the e-levy will be taken today or it will be 
speaking sometime in the future. All right, Duke, I'll be speaking to you shortly about the numbers and possibility of passage, but let's listen to the Member of Parliament for North Tom, Samuel Okujitoa Blackwa, who questioned the delay by the majority to bring the e-levy bill to the House. Majority leader does not give us... It's, it's already 18 minutes past 5 p.m. The House was adjourned to 10 a.m. today, and we've been waiting for well over seven hours since we were supposed to commence sitting. So can the majority leader give us a specific timeline? By what time does the government side expect to conclude the negotiations or engagements or consultations that are going on? Because it's been difficult to plan for other activities. It's a weekend, there's so many constituency commitments, and some of us uh, had scheduled to begin our journeys uh, uh, today, but here we are. Uh, we still do not have clarity. So can the majority leader let us know? Is it by 6 p.m.? Is it by 7 p.m.? Is it by 8 p.m.? Uh, so we know uh, exactly what we are doing, Mr. Speaker. And finally, Mr. Speaker, on Monday, if the majority chief whip will, will, will allow the majority leader to listen to me. Honor majority leader. <laughs> my, I hope you got my first concern. The first concern relates to what time? What is the cutoff time? What is the cutoff time? Is it 6? Is it 7 p.m.? Because it's already been a very stressful day. We've been waiting. Uh, for more than seven hours for the commencement of uh, business. So that was the Member of Parliament for North Tong, Samuel Okujito Ablakwa, speaking um, earlier before we came on air. I still have on the line uh, Duke Mensah Poko, who is our parliamentary correspondent, who has been telling us happenings in the House today. Duke, um, before we go to the numbers in the House, if the, there should be um, any vote of a about the minority stance on the e-levy and their meeting with the finance minister, what has the majority side been saying today? Well, because these negotiations are essentially between government, the sponsoring minister for this bill, and the minority, we've had very little to say. I mean, I have engaged, I've engaged some members of the majority whose um, answer has been that they've not been part of those meetings, so they cannot speak to it. And of course, to be, to be fair and very honest, they've not been part of these meetings. The meetings have essentially been between the finance minister and the members of the minority group. And even with the minority, it's not every member of the minority group who's going to these meetings. So, so there was no caucus meeting for the majority? No, 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 no. Um, uh, it's, 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 there, there has been a number of caucus meetings for the, at least the one took place in the morning. There's also been another one on the floor of parliamentary before sitting down for the minority. But for the majority, I'm not aware of any caucus meeting that has taken place today in relation to and um, um, uh, this the the e-levy or that they, what I know is that their leaders have tried as much as possible to marshal the numbers to get the numbers everybody here uh, and, and they are trying as much as possible to do that for the majority side. But as whether there's been a caucus, that is not something I can I can confirm for the majority. Mm. But for the minority, at least there's been two meetings, one in the morning 
place at the DFL and auditorium. And then another one, which is just it took place on the floor of parliament about 30 minutes ago before proceedings uh, uh, started. Talk to me about the numbers in the House, both majority and minority. We know it became very topical um, last year um, before the House went on recess. And when a vote is supposed to happen, if your numbers, um, I mean, are not enough, I mean, you may lose. So tell us what the numbers look like in Parliament as we speak. As many members, so far, I can tell you that as many members as possible for both caucuses are around. And for those who are not around, the the, the wish you can see them making frantic efforts to get them in as uh, as quickly as possible. Earlier in the day, um, I I happened to have a conversation with one of the senior MPs for the majority, who uh, indicated to me that he can see that at least one of them is outside the jurisdiction, one of them is not in the country as we speak, and um, they know that the, the, and he wasn't even sure whether. The person was due to attend either to this, uh, uh, this evening or tomorrow morning. So, um, based on the conversation I had with that senior MP, it indicates that uh, the majority caucus may they have at least one person outside the jurisdiction and uh, trying to. Uh, they're not very sure if that person would arrive today or would arrive uh, tomorrow. So, uh, in terms of the numbers, both caucuses, the leadership, especially the whips, are trying as much as possible to get all the numbers, a number of MPs, as many of them as possible, um, in the House. We understand the Speaker of Parliament um, will be out of the jurisdiction next week. Yes, that, that, that's the matter that um, I, I spoke to the Majority Chief about, I mean, yesterday. Uh, he's due for a medical review um, next week. But I've also been told, or I got information that that medical review is not actually this weekend, but it's the next weekend. Um, as to whether that is true, we would only know when the House will convince on Tuesday. If it, the House will convince on Tuesday and the Speaker is in, is in his chair, then that would suggest that his review is, is, is due sometime next weekend and not this weekend, as was um, originally speculated. But the majority leadership is aware, very well aware, that the Speaker would have to leave the jurisdiction uh, sooner than later uh, for a medical review. We know he was in the he was outside the country. He said only January, on the twenty-third uh, of January, two days before the house uh, commenced um, uh, reconvened uh, for the first meeting of the second session, that is on Tuesday. So yes, I mean, my uh, leadership is aware that the speaker will be out of the jurisdiction very, very soon. But what is unclear is as to when um, the speaker will be getting out of the country. All right. Thank you very much. That was Duke Mensah Poku, our parliamentary correspondent. And he'll be bringing us an update as and when anything happens in parliament. This is Eyewitness News. We are coming to you live from our studio at number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka, Accra. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. 
You welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. You are discussing the issues having to do with the e-levy and the controversies that have surrounded it. I've been joined on the line by Ahmed Ibrahim, who is a deputy minority whip um, for more on this. Good evening, sir. Now, we understand that your meeting with the finance minister ended in a stalemate again today. Um, we also know that some um, agreements were being made, for instance, reducing the um, e-levy charges from 1.75% to 1.5%. Why did you disagree with um, what the minister was proposing? Let me say a very good evening to your cherished listeners. Yeah, it's true. We had a meeting with the finance ministry yesterday, the first time in our engagement towards the e-levy, ever since we went on recess. The minister emphatically admitted that the e-levy, together with all other charges, was were going to cost the consumer 3.75. 3.75 because when you are sending money, you pay 1%, the receiver 1%, then the government 1.75. So the 3, 1 plus 1 plus 1.75, which is 3.75. This was one of our first statement which the minister said was not the case. So we realized from that point that the minister himself did not understand from the onset what he was doing because he shouldn't have taken him from that time up to yesterday before in his presentation he himself admitting that the total cost to the consumer was going to be 3.75 and not 1.75 as is generally being discussed elsewhere. So we said we realized yesterday that he brought the same 1.75. So we said, no, if this is what you're saying, this is where you were, what you brought to the house, and we said, no. So if that is where you stand, then today we have nothing to say. So yesterday, that is why we decided not to speak on the matter. But he said he was going to consult. We also went to consult. Today we met. Today when he came, he said he was ready to come down to 1.50. So 1.50 plus, one plus one, which is 3.5 instead of 3.75. But we realized that that was on the higher side simply because the engagement that we had with the mobile money operators, they made it clear to us that the consumer was sensitive to price and therefore the elasticity of demand on, in terms of the mobile money operation was elastic. That any increment in price in terms of cost to the consumer, they were going to switch to using cash instead of using the mobile money. And they gave us evidence of that from the Bank of Ghana's own data. Then they wrote to the majority they were ready to meet them. The majority refused to meet them. Then they had no platform to express themselves apart from meeting with the minority. So we realized that, no, if a single stakeholder is facing this problem, then what about the other stakeholders who did not have the opportunity to come and have with us? So we realized we needed further engagement as a parliament and not sit down for the finance minister to go and do their engagement to come and meet us. Then to our surprise, yesterday when it was an agreement that after our meeting, nobody should go and speak outside to the issue, we restored the finance minister and the minister for communication making a town hall meeting in the eastern region where they said that we in NDC did not support any good policy being sent by government. And even went to the extent of attacking us, that Ghana was downgraded, our economy was downgraded from B plus to B minus.
because we fought in parliament. We realized that all these things were lies and that we cannot go and borrow. All that we need to do is to enforce Yulevi and get the money here. All these things we realized they were all lies. Simply because the day we were fighting on our budget here in U.S., they even fought to the extent of that point that they even had to go for vote on account. The U.S. economy was not downgraded. Ghana, we approved ours. We got the budget for them before we went on recess. But our economy is downgraded. We also realized that saying that oh, if we pass the year living, we are not going to borrow again is a lie. Because your appropriation act, you pass 1.45 billion. And your money, including the revenue that you are going to get, including the e-levy, was 105 billion. So even if you get all the revenue sources, including e-levy, you were going to raise 1.5 billion, 105 billion. However, your total expenditure, including amortization, was 145 billion. So you were going to raise the remaining 37 billion through euro bonds and all those things. So to come and tell Ghanaians that oh, if you pass the year levy for me, I'm not going to borrow again, it's a lie. So we realized that the government itself was not putting his case well. Then to our surprise, all that we told them and they refused. The e-levy, even though has not yet been approved, they are doing arrangement to make sure that it is the only it will be the only surviving fund because they use all the funds that they inherited. Get fund, they use it to go and collect loan. If Ghana infrastructure fund, they use it to go and collect loan. Ghana energy sector savings levy, they use it to go and collect loan. Ghana road fund, they use it to go and collect loan. So all the funds that they inherited, they use all to go and collect loan. Energy sector levy up to 2035. They get fund for 10 years. Even the cocoa, that brought revenue to us annually. They use cocoa to go and collect loan. So it's like the government itself has used all the revenue sources to go and collect loan to the point that he has nowhere to turn and said, oh, then let's go for e-levy. The e-levy itself, that, the car that is not yet born, is also being mortgaged at best. So we realize, no, this government, the way they are mismanaging the economy, they need further engagement for the whole country to come as a country. We mobilize our academia, all the intellectuals, the bankers, the businessmen, the politicians. Let's call a stakeholder meeting like we had in Sinche. Our borrowing, borrowing is becoming unbecoming. And the fact that you are coming for you are coming for Ilevi today, tomorrow there will be no the next government after seven years, there will be no get fund, there will be no infrastructure fund, there will be no energy sector levy, there will be no e-levy. You are mortgaging all. And you are not making the judicial sense of the money. Let's cut down on our expenditure. Which of the expenditures are cutable? Which are adjustable? So that is why we are saying that no. It is not just a matter of saying that, oh, I'm cash trapped, therefore I need to turn this way. Let's take a holistic view of our situation and look for the panacea for solving our economic woes. Rather than saying that, oh, our economy is being downgraded and because of that, let's do A, B, C, D. So we realized government itself did not understand what they were going to do. And that is why we said, no, we don't want to collapse the digital space, the digital operators. The mobile money operators, they said that, according to Bank of Ghana, there are 521,000 people employed there. And they have employed two, 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 two. So multiply it by two. That is, multiply, multiply two by 521, which is 1,040 something. Then you add the 531, about close to two, 
200,000 people, 2 million people are employed in that space. Government employing even 100,000 people in the NAPCO, you could not sustain it. The private sector are able to employ themselves at 2 million, and you are saying that you are going to increase your tax to that elastic space, making that place to, to collapse. How are we going to cater for the unemployment? But, but they were ready like, to we, reduce it. How are we going it? to fight it? So we realize there are serious questions that answers. And that's why I say, oh, it is not be appropriate for us to pass this levy and a certificate of agency. But, but they were ready to reduce it. That is why they said they were taking it from 1.75. from 1.75 to 1.5. That's from 3.75 to 3.5 is nothing. I want to understand the 3.75 you're talking about because what the I know is that... 3.75 because if I make 10 new thousand Ghana cities, I will pay 1% here in the form of tax. You receiving it will also pay a fee of 1%. That is how it used to be. So 1 plus 1 is 2. Then government is now going to add his 1.5. Then that will be 3.5. But telcos have agreed to reduce to 0.75. The telcos, not all the telcos were charging... At first, Vodafone, I think so, was, was free. MTN, Vodafone, MTN, I thought, were those who were charging those kind of fees. Have you harmonized all those spaces? What engagement did you have with them? Have we also, as MPs, been given the opportunity to meet them? This is the space we are calling for. Let's meet them. You are telling me, let me myself go and verify and take a decision whether I should approve it or not. So how many more days do you need to come to a consensus or an understanding? Um, if, we had the, if government were to be serious and we had used the recess period, we could have solved this problem before today. And that is why one speaker was on recess. He thought we were engaging. So he flew to Accra simply because he thought it was time for us to come and pass this. Even when government was saying we should reconvene on the 18th, the speaker said, no, let's reconvene on the 25th. So we only reconvene on the 20th, only to be told that government was now going to engage us. But, but madam, it's not just a matter of months or years, but the people that we are going to engage give the finance committee the opportunity to engage them. Madam, sister, do you remember that it was as a result of bad economic policies? That is why most businesses collapse in this country. So when you are going to take further policies, which you know that as a country or as a government, you are unable to evaluate or assess your own policies. You only bring political policies, not economic policies. Implement them, and then they become unsustainable. So from that, you have to learn a lesson that, oh, looking at me not being able to even sustain my own policies, one village, one down. I'm not able to sustain it. My flashy programs, I'm not able to sustain it. Not, listen, uh, NAPCO, I'm not able to sustain it. All your, even free SHS is in crisis. Our education sector is being collapsed. Our energy sector, world sector, everything is being collapsed. So let's put a stop and analyze what is it that we are doing wrong and find a solution. Okay, so, so what alternative... I've seen this money sitting there. Let me go and tax it. Okay. No, no, no. That is not a solution. All right. So what alternative then are you proposing? Because taxes are a necessity the to develop the country. The, when, you see, as a country, we have a traditional way. We have a traditional way of ruling Ghana. That is why we had the District Assembly Common Fund which no government played with from Rollins to Kufo to Atamel to Jomama to Akufuado. The whole of 2021, 
Akufuado was concentrated on his priorities and not the disassembly common farm. Nando Manu was released there. Leave that one. He said he's coming with his own flashy programs. If you cannot continue with the traditional one, how are you bringing a flashy one? Put that one aside. We had a road fund from Rollins to Kufuo to Atambles to John Mama. They had a road fund, which was being used to construct and maintain our roads. Akufuadu came, he used it to go and collect loads, finish it, and now our roads are deteriorated. Only 8% of our roads, according to the former Deputy Minister for Roads, are no trouble. Then we had, when the Dunso came, John Mama saw the need to go and bring our energy sector series levy. A levy that we will use to make sure that we solve our energy problem. The government himself, even 2021, according to the budget he presented, he had about 5.4 over 5 billion Ghana cities from the energy sector levy. But the government himself has used that one to go and mortgage up to 2035. So meaning we will not be getting that access to that money again. Then we had Ghana Infrastructure Fund, which President Mama brought, that we should use it to close our infrastructure gap, make building of roads, hospitals, and schools and all those things. And that is out of that, we were putting part of the oil money into it. The country one that NUC used to get, NDC used to get, when they came to power, they stopped putting money into the infrastructure fund. The money that your mama put there, they used that one to go and collect loan. And because of that, there's a problem. That is what we used to go for loan to go and build the terminal trade. And by the time we were leaving power, we paid about six million out of that. Mm. When you came, you stopped that one. Then we had a road fund. You mortgage that one. Now you are telling me that you are not bringing maybe to be using it to control rules. So if there's no rules, compromise at all for for the If rules were your priority, mm. if rules were your priority, why did you disorganize and mortgage the already road fund? Then you said that you are going to create employment through you start. Before you came, there was a communication service tax, which President Kufour brought, and that's what we use to do youth employment and all those things. So it was not like there were no sources of funding. Then we had we had our own get fund, which President Rollins brought, that we should use it to build all the schools nationwide. You use that one to go for 1.5 billion loan dollar loan for 10 years, wrote all the e blocks and all the names of the abandoned schools and finish that money. The money is for them. Now we are running a double-track system. So it cannot be trusted with managing fund. And therefore, mm. if you are asking me of my alternative, the alternative is that we need to sit down, cut down our expenditure. Which of the expenditures can we cut down on? How can we make judicious use of our resources to make sure that the country is able to move forward? Mm. All right. So um, finally, if I let you go, um, we understand par- Parliament is likely to, to vote on the controversial levy today. What briefing do you have? Yeah. When we were at leadership conclave with the Speaker, this, it was agreed among leadership that we should come and do about three statements and agenda that we could not take the levy today. We, in minority, because we don't trust these people, from morning to this day, we have mobilized over 137, and they did not have their numbers. So when they did not have their numbers, they said we should come and read statements and go around 4.30. Immediately we entered the chamber. Chamber is now saying that we may take it, that we did not arrive at any decision. Because they've used the Qatar jet to go to Kumasi, Tamale, Takradi, Bushegu, to bring all their MPs who are there now. But we don't care. All that we want to do 
is that our 137 against Ilevi must be registered for Ghanaians to see that we are adhering to our principle of non-compliance to the provided position that the government is exhibiting for Ghanaians. Thank you very much. Um, that was Ahmed Ibrahim, Deputy Minority Whip. This is still Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. My name is Zoe Abubeiduadu. I'm here with Enno Safo. We'll take a break here. When we return, we'll be reading some of your messages. You can get interactive with us. Your comments are welcome via WhatsApp line 0549-986-996. You can tweet at me at Zoe Abubedu or at CT973. The hashtag is City Newsroom. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM. Let's read some of the messages you've sent through our WhatsApp platform. Xilix Duane in London says, Government should just drop that obnoxious e-levy simple. While I know in Akwatia, he says minority is fighting a concern that is totally needless and quietly rhetorical. And if true, that the implementation of the e-levy will make this government unpopular and cause their defeat in 2024. Why NDC won't help them to lose 2024 by passing it. And uh, Jones, the boy in La, he says, Good evening. The posture and utterances of the majority leader do not uh, um, augur well for a consensus building in parliament we have today. The days of minority will have their say and majority will also have their say. E-Levy is dead on arrival. Kwame from Adenta, he says, the government thinks the panacea to our economic woes is e-levy. This is mind-boggling. Honorable Karimog, I hope I got that right, Tamale North, he says, what is it about this e-levy thing that government can't drop it? Some of you have been also sending me messages on Twitter. Um, Daniel Atia says, the minority group must stand their grounds to stop this insensitive e-levy by the Nanado-led NPP government. And you are Writing from Dan Suman. Okro Yabua in Bremang says, E-Levy is a game changer, so let's support it. We need money to develop this country. Sawari Jacob um, says, what has changed? And the E-Levy is the only source of generating money for this nation. What happened to those numerous mineral resources the NPP leaders talked before the 2016 elections? Talking is indeed cheap in this country. Fuseni Salifu um, from Kaswa Zongo says every country develops through taxation so the MPs should support the E-Levy. Asioba Ya Ata also in Kaswa says the E-Levy will, negati- will never affect negatively, the E-Levy will never negatively affect the behavior of consumers because the option available to a consumer is not economically prudent. Akuntam GH um, no, this Mohammed Akuntam from Tempani in the Upper East region. He says, okay, this on the subject matter we'll be addressing later. The National Labor Commission, Fair Wages and Salary Commission and Ministry for Education should intervene in the UTAC strike to settle it once and for all and stop intimidating 
them with court actions. Now, Lukman Bashiru says the NPP promised to move the good people of Ghana from taxation to production. What has suddenly changed? This is still Eyewitness News. We are live across the country on all our affiliates. If you're in the Western region, you can hear us on Premier FM 100.5 in Takrade. We are also on Greener FM 95.9 in Sunyana, which is in the Bonohafu region, the Ashanti region. We are on Orange FM 107.9 in Kumasi, Volta region, Holy FM 98.5 in Aflao, and Heritage FM 107.3 in Hohoi. In the northern region, you can hear us on Dasuma 99.1. In the Upper East, Word FM 88.3 in Zwarungu, Upper West, Westlink 88.1 FM in Laura. And in the Northeast region, we are on Eagle FM 94.1 in Wale Wale. We'll stay a little while on the issues having to do with the E-Levy because the Member of Parliament for Okainkwe Central and Vice Chairman of the Finance Committee of Parliament, Patrick Bama, believes the acrimony over the electronic transfer levy can only be cured if the bill is put to a vote. This follows renewed consultations and engagement together by in of the minority and Ghanaians to implement the tax policy. In a yet-to-be-aired interview on City TV's parliamentary magazine show, The Chamber, the NPP legislator indicated that the situation has taken a political twist and can only be resolved if voted upon? Well, it depends on the sort of consultations that will be made. Oh. But the consultations are being made every day. Discussions go on. You hear party leaders speak on the, on the policy. For me, it has turned into a political party's position oh. on the bill. MPP is for it, NDC is against it. Oh. When this happens in a civilized democracy, you put it to a vote. Mm. And whatever the majority decides, so we carry on and uh, manage the affairs of the economy. Obviously, the minority is not cooperating with you on this. Does, does that bother? The minority ought to be convinced. Mm. And we are doing that. My advice to them is that they should come on board. Let's start this program. They are the opposition, properly so-called, to keep asking the questions, to keep probing whether we are using the revenue so generated judiciously and it's in the proper way. That is the work of the opposition. That was Patrick Boma. He's the vice chairman of the Finance Committee and member of parliament for Okainkwe Central. The full interview is at 7 p.m. on City TV. Let's move to some other stories aside the 11 now. The National Labor Commission has sued the University Teachers Association of Ghana for continuing with its nationwide strike. According to the writ, the NLC is seeking the court to order for an interlocutory injunction to compel the lecturers to return to the classrooms. The NLC adds the court action is to force UTAG to call off the strike in compliance with its January 13 directive because the industrial action is illegal and to continue negotiations with their employers. The three-week-old strike to demand better conditions of service has so far sparked worry among students as they anticipate that the academic calendar will be disrupted. Meanwhile, leadership of the Striking University Teachers Association of Ghana, UTEC, says its legal team is ready to face the National Labor Commission in court on the 3rd of February when the case will be called. Dr. Sari Asantiano is the National Secretary of UTEC. We are going to be caught on the 3rd of February. Uh, as law abided, we, have a, we hope that we have a strong case and uh, we 
what they call. So what is happening is actually the normal process. The commission gives a directive, but it's only a court which can enforce and was also foreseen that the aggrieved party would want to have a fair hearing. And in this case, you can believe that we have made all the necessary uh, documents available to the employers and the commission before we embarked on the strike action. So the court the 10th of February and uh, yes, we have a team and they are working hard uh, with all the documents and then the preparation that we need. As you already know, the 15 public universities, uh, they made resolutions independently. And the main issue that came up is that our demands, uh, they have still not been met. So in order to drum home our message, decided that we have to continue the strike action. So until the demands are met, uh, we still have to continue the strike action. That was the National Secretary of the University Teachers Association of Ghana, Dr. Asari Asantiano. Now, the governing New Patriotic Party, NPP, has set July 14th to 16th to elect new national officers for the party. The party has also set April 22 to 24 for constituency elections and 20th to 22nd of May for regional elections. Addressing a press conference in Accra, the General Secretary of the party, John Buedu, says the National Council of the party met yesterday to set the dates for the elections. The National Council again approved that national officers' elections should be held between July 14th to July 16th, 2022. The venue for the National Annual Delegate Conference, as decided by the National Council, is in Accra. Elections shall be summarized by the National Elections Committee to be composed as follows. Three reps appointed by the National Executive Committee one chairman of the National Council of Elders, the director of research and elections, two elderly women appointed by NEC, and the director of IT. Nomination fees for national chairman position, 20,000. For vice chairperson's positions, 15,000. For general secretary position, 10,000. All other positions, 8,000, apart from the special wings. John Boadu is the General Secretary of the New Patriotic Party. Now, leaders of the Economic Community of West African States, ECOWAS, have expressed worry over what they call deteriorating democracy within the sub-region. The leaders say the recent coup in Burkina Faso is a clear example of how democracy is failing in the sub-region. Mali and Guinea within the last one year have recorded coups. Chairman of ECOWAS, President Takufuadu, opening a virtual summit, urged colleagues to do all all they can to uphold the tenets of democracy in the region. The deteriorating political situation in our region should be a matter of great concern to all of us. No current country is insulated from its occurrence in the community and we have to take action to nip it in the bud. We're confronted with a setback to our democracy, taking Cognizance of the twin coup d'etat in Mali on 18th August 2020 and 24th May 2021, the one in Guinea on 5th September 2021, and now on 24th January 2022 in Burkina Faso. Added to this is the complex 
security environment occasioned by terrorist attacks and pandemics presenting for us a toxic situation. Within this context, you may recall that in conformity with our ECOWAS Supplementary Protocol on Democracy and Good Governance, adopted in 2001, the principles of constitutional conversion principles provide for the following. A. Any accession to power must be through free, fair, and transparent elections. Chairman of the Economic Community of West African States, President Ekufuado. The Ghana National School Feeding Caterers Association says 98% of its members have received full payment for the second term of 2021 academic year. The payment comes after caterers across the country in the last few months complained about the arrears owed them by the government. Speaking to City News, the public relations officer for the Ghana National School Feeding Caterers Association, Caroline Abwaje, called on government to ensure the arrears for the third term academic year is also settled. Caterers who had approval from Ghana School Feeding Program have received their money. The 2% who have not received their money are mismatched this wish, mismatched names, and then made each which numbers. I can say there are the few who have not received their money for the 2020, second term for 2021 academic year, who still plead with the government and the Secretariat to speed up things for us to receive the third term payment so that it can enable us to work and work diligently for our people. That was the PRO for the Ghana National School Feeding Caterers Association, Caroline Abwaje. Now, the Coalition of Private Transport Operators will on Wednesday, February 3, 2022, conclude on its deliberation to either increase transport fares or continue to push for the reduction of some petroleum levies. This announcement was made at a stakeholder meeting with other operators. The group had earlier raised concerns on the hike in fuel prices, indicating that it is having negative impact on their work. Speaking to City News, Public Relations Officer of the Concerned Drivers Association, David Agboado, says he is optimistic the union will conclude on increasing transport fares while they still push for the scrapping of some petroleum levies. Oh, it was so simple. Uh, we will first increase the lorry fare. After the lorry fare, it will be increased. And we will communicate it to the masses or to the media on Wednesday. After that, then we will still fight for the reduction of the taxes or scrapping of the taxes because it must be an act of parliament. So we must write to parliament and do the follow necessary follow-ups before we get to what we want. And in fact, that for the percentage there, we don't want to even get. We are coming out with the right percentage. So that way we will not say we are we will not say we are paying or we are taking forty percent or twenty percent or ten percent. No. When the time comes on Wednesday we will communicate you, the media houses, or, and the percentage as well. Once it's not yet concluded, can give out the percentage that we are coming up with. Public Relations Officer of the Concerned Drivers Association, David Agboado. Abasi Muro, the head of communication at GPRTU and a representative of the union, has also been speaking to City News on their next move. The committee was formed to furnish us with some results. The results wasn't uh, up to date, so uh, the committee was asked again to be let out some portions.
fill those portions. So the main thing was postponed again to Wednesday. Hopefully Wednesday we shall come to the end of the whole episode. Because we have two school of thoughts. One is, is insisting on the scrapping out of the country. The other is also talking about board adjustments. So when we finalize everything on Wednesday, the result will come out. You heard the head of communication at GPRTU, Abbas Imoru. The Greater Accra Regional Minister, Henry Corte, has reiterated the need for traders along the streets and pavements of Accra, as well as floating drivers to evacuate before next week, Tuesday. In a stakeholder engagement with various trader unions in Accra ahead of the rollout of the Operation Clean Your Frontage policy on February 1, the minister vowed to ensure the streets of Accra are decongested for a clean society. Uh, constituency. <laughs> Kindly inform your members that we shall clear all the streets of trading activities from 1st February and I will not be deterred by the usual I voted for you comments. I shall personally supervise the exercise because the traders are obstinate. All the mobile phone dealers along the street should move from there because I will order the tax force to clear all the structures and burn them to ashes because they are very stubborn. The treacherous drivers who have also failed to pick up passengers from the designated places would also be cleared. We just pray for life to undertake the exercise. Just as we evicted the Agbogbishi traders, we would also do same on 1st February. The time has come for us to ensure that there is discipline in our region and for that matter, our country. Greater Accra Regional Minister Henry Corte there. Away from that, a Tamale circuit court has sentenced five suspects who were involved in a car robbery incident in Tamale to 15 years in prison. This comes after the five pleaded guilty to the charges in the previous court hearing. The five suspects were among some six persons who were arrested for snatching a Toyota Camry in Gushegu, a suburb of Tamale in the northern region. The suspects were charged for conspiracy to rob and robbery, possession of firearms without lawful authority, possession of police and military uniform and other accoutrements without lawful excuse among others. During the court hearing today, the judge, His Worship Alexander Owari, sentenced the five suspects to prison on four of the counts. Meanwhile, two other suspects are still standing trial in connection with the case. 
The Asakwa District Court in the Ashanti region today adjourned the case involving KNUST senior lecturer Dr. Wilberforce Agre, who is standing trial over the disappearance of his wife, Rodolin Amwadakon. This is because the magistrate presiding over the matter, his worship, Koko Chao, is on leave. After taking over prosecution of the matter, representatives of the Attorney General were presented in court for the first time. Lawyers for the embattled KNUSD lecturer were also in court. The matter has thus been adjourned to 18th February 2022. Now, 20-year-old Aaron Butchie, who sprayed pepper powder into the eyes of a motor rider in an attempt to rob him of his motorbike at Agobe, has been sentenced to 15 years imprisonment with hard labor. The accused was put before the Sugakope Circuit Court on 25th January 2022 on the charge of attempt to commit robbery, pleaded guilty to the offense and was convicted on his own plea. The judge, Isaac Addo, delivering his judgment, considered the fact that the accused was a first-time offender, hence his 15-year sentence. Two other suspects arrested in connection with the robbery of a motorbike at Bevinier Akachi have also been remanded into police custody by the same court when they appeared before it. The two suspects will reappear before the court on 10th February 2022. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Hello and welcome to City Business News on Eyewitness News. It's brought to you by Vodafone. Together we can and powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Mina now, President Okofuado has charged heads of state institutions and specified entities in the country to put an end to the phenomenon of posting losses annually and to work towards becoming profitable institutions. According to him, this will enable them to improve the performance and operate efficiently. According to the 2020 Auditor General's report, losses posted by state enterprises and specified entities in the country between 2018 and 2019 increased by 200%. The latest figure on losses by state institutions as at the end of 2020 stands at 5.3 billion Ghana cities. Now speaking at the 2022 edition of the Policy and Governance Forum organized by State Interest and Governance Authority, President Ecofuado also tasked the state institutions to leverage on digital technology to ensure growth. Fortunately for the country, the establishment of SIGA has helped resolve some of these concerns, even though there is room for considerable improvement. We're still confronted, for instance, with the challenge of losses being made by some of our specified entities. Indeed, we're told that between 2018 and 2019, losses posted by specified entities rose significantly by some 200% with the Auditor General's report for 2020 making for difficult reading. At this time, when government is doing its best to see to the rapid growth of the economy, we must bring the phenomenon of posting losses to an end. The late reporting and submission of financial reports by specified entities leave a lot to be desired and undermine the efforts of the Controller and Accountant General in the presentation of a global picture for Ghana's public finances. We have to turn over a new leaf. Beginning this year, I urge every specified entity to direct its supply chain activities to involve Ghanaian entrepreneurs.
President Tukufuado. Meanwhile, speaking on behalf of the Finance Minister Ken Uforiata, a Deputy Minister for Finance, John Kuma, also urged specified entities to desist from late reporting and submission of financial reports. He noted that the Finance Ministry will not consider any request for government support from any specified entity that fails to meet the reporting requirements specified in the Public Financial Management Act and the SIGA Act. As of end of December 2021, only 31 out of 51 SOEs, 61 percent, 22 out of the 89 OSCs, 25 percent, and 22 out of 43 JVCs, 51 percent, have submitted audited financial statements for the year 2020 to the Finance Ministry. Your Excellency, in connection with this trend of non-compliance with reporting requirements, I would like to crave your indulgence to announce as follows. Henceforth, the Finance Ministry will not consider any request for government support from any specified entities that fail to meet the reporting requirements specified in the PFM Act, PMF regulations and SIGA, etc. Secondly, in consultation with the Minister for Public Enterprise, Honorable Joseph Kujo, the Honorable Minister of Finance have directed to the Director General of SIGA to ensure that appropriate sanctions and penalties are applied for infraction of the PFM Act, PFM Regulations and SIGA Act, including recommendation for removing of members of governing board. John Kumar is a deputy finance minister. Away from that, with the growing cases of accidents in the country, the director of financial service division of the Ministry of Finance uh, is urging Guineans to subscribe to insurance packages. And this year alone, several accidents have been recorded in the country that have resulted in the loss of lives and property. And despite these occurrences, not many are enthused about getting an insurance. Mike Lopudu has more in this report. Despite efforts to increase insurance penetration in Ghana, it remains quite low. A recent report by the Bank of Ghana indicated that the rate of insurance penetration has remained at 1% over the past five years. One of the reasons why many aren't subscribing to insurance aside access to information is the experience some clients have had in dealing with service providers. Mr. Shaibu Ali, while speaking on the sidelines of his investiture as the 10th president of the Insurance Brokers Association of Ghana, stated that the narrative could change if the public relied on insurance brokers while purchasing a cover. Meanwhile, speaking on behalf of the director of the Financial Service Division of the Ministry of Finance, Mrs. Patience Akumboham stressed the need to acquire insurance, especially with the rising incidents in the country. We have all heard about the recent fire disasters, road accidents, and the explosion at Bogoso. Many of these happenings affect the livelihood and businesses and families of the citizenry and eventually force government to draw from the national payers to support the victims. However, if the victims had certain insurance policies in force, their livelihoods, businesses, and families would have been restored seamlessly without ever overburdening government. Insurance provides financial support and reduces uncertainties in business and human life. It provides a cover against loss due to fire, marine, accidents, or sudden loss. Funds generated by collecting premiums can be invested in government securities and stocks for the economic development of the country. Its benefits are enormous and cannot be overhauled by the few bad experiences some people may have had in the past. Hence, on an occasion like this, I'd like to applaud the insurance players, especially the brokers.
Mrs. Patience Akubohame is the head of pensions and insurance at the Financial Service Division of the Ministry of Finance. Moving on, the Association of Ghana Industries, AGI, says exporting under the African Continental Free Trade Area Agreement is still a major challenge facing some of its members, especially for those with small and medium-sized enterprises. Even though the AGI has lauded the initiative and the gains made so far a year since its implementation, according to the association, some of its members and companies are frustrated by other after-member states at their respective points. The association contends that this is because some customs officials in the member states still do not have the code needed for trade under the agreement. In an interview with City Business News, Chairman for AGI Greater Accra, Chonam Akbalo, recommended that customs officials at the various ports in other member states should be sensitized in order to allow for smooth trading. The issue about some of our companies trying to export at an agreement. Uh, it's a quite interesting one. Most of our members or who already export try to assess the agreement. The challenge is that it's not from the Ghana side of things. The challenge is from those other countries. I recall that one of my members tried exporting to South Africa. When the goods got to the port of South Africa, the South African custom officials do not have knowledge about this. So, they, they don't have the, the, the code needed to be applied under the, the agreement, so they were unable to export under the agreement. And these are things that we'll be working on at the background to make sure that going forward, some of these problems will be resolved. The thing is that it takes two or more countries to trade. So in as much as Ghana is making a lot of preparations, it will be important for other countries in the sub-region to make preparation. Preparation including getting their custom officials at the, at the port to be familiar with the agreement and allow people to trade under the agreement. It's very important. Chunam Akpelo is the greater chairman for the Greater Crab Branch of the Association of Ghana Industries. Now, the Deputy Minister of Land and Natural Resources has charged the Minerals De Development Fund to prioritize the development of mining communities. Ghana has gold, diamonds, bauxite, manganese, salt, limestone, granite, and oil. Its mining and quarrying sector contributes significantly to its economy. But mining communities in Ghana are generally poor. Mining imposes socioeconomic costs on host communities through land acquisitions, environmental degradation, pollution, and a high cost of living. Although the host communities are entitled to different types of compensations and mineral royalty transfers, they are still amongst the poorest communities in the country. Now, during a working visit, George Mikuduka noted that the MDF should work towards reversing this unfortunate development. On the more serious note, it is important for Ghanaians to benefit from the activities of and the inflows of our royalties, especially what is detailed to MDF from Minerals Income Investment Fund. And it is, it is also important for us to decentralize the inflows of the revenue for the mining communities to be developed because 
people from the mining communities have been complaining and I'm, a, I'm from a mining community and you cannot mention uh, gold or diamond or manganese without the mention of my constituency Takwa. We host not less than 60% of our gold threshold in this country. And for that matter, people would want to see tangible projects that in future we can say we got them out of the gold proceeds. You heard the Deputy Minister for Land and Natural Resources, George Mriku Duka. Finally, tax analyst Francis Timor Boy has bemoaned the trend of tax policy inconsistencies from the government. According to him, the regular announcement of tax policies followed by withdrawal of same is not the best for the government. Now, since 2017 till date, government has made major U-turns in connection with some key policy proposals, including the mandatory towing levy, the luxury vehicle levy, the benchmark values discount policy, among others. Currently, government is embarking on a sensitization campaign on the controversial e-levy after major pushback from different quarters. In an interview with City Business News on the best way forward, Francis Timor Boy charged government to do comprehensive engagement with all relevant stakeholders on future policies. So you see, the problem that I have is the policy inconsistencies. You see, we have the... African Trade Continental Headquarters in Ghana. Our aim is to manufacture and export. If we think that the benchmark policy was not going to help us, we shouldn't have even implemented it in the first place. Now we go back and say, that let's, let's now do engagement. Does it mean that we didn't do engagement in the first place? This E-Levy, we are saying that let's go back and do engagement. So. There's so much surprises in the tax policies, which I don't think is good for, for a government or as a nation. Let me, let me even say as a nation, because this is Ghana for us. If it is good, it is good for us. For me, there's lack of you know, engagement in most of the tax policies we've introduced. And then we introduce it and then we say, okay, let's go back and engage. It shouldn't be that. Francis Timor Boy is a tax analyst. And that's it for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It's brought to you by Vodafone. Together we can and powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Mina W. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Some 15 minutes to 7 p.m. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. This is the Point Blank segment. This evening on Point Blank, the operation Clean Your Frontage has been very um, topical here in the Greater Accra region for a while now. <laughs> 
As part of measures to keep the Greater Accra region clean, the regional minister, Henry Corte, um, is set to roll out the operation Clean Your Frontage policy on February 1. They have rolled out um, a pilot in some municipalities in the Greater Accra region. Tonight on Eyewitness News Point Blank segment, I have with me here my colleague Ni Ayikweokai, who has been part of that team, uh, to give us an understanding of what this policy is all about and what um, the Greater Accra Regional Minister and his team have been up to um, within the last two weeks. Thanks for joining us on the Point Blank segment. Ni Ayikwe. Thanks for having me. What is the Operation Clean Your Frontage policy all about? Mm. So this is a project by the Greater Accra Regional Minister, Henry Quarty, that seeks to make it obligatory for for individuals and then corporate bodies to uh, be responsible for the their immediate environs. So your frontage, your backyard, whichever part of your surrounding, you have to ensure that that particular area is clean. Mm. So if you have an open space also beside your house or in front or behind, then you could also undertake some greening you know, effect to beautify the environment. So it's just uh, an attempt to keep the high rate of um, indiscipline in terms of sanitation issues to address the sanitation issues that we have in the greater Accra region. Okay. There, there has been a pilot um, of this policy that is set to roll out next Tuesday. Sure. Um, where have you been to? Mm -hmm. And I also know that some persons have been fined. Um, I mean, where they went and they, they, their environment was not clean, those persons were fined. So which areas have you been to? And I want just you to just give me an assessment of what you saw with that So within, within the last two weeks, uh, most of the assemblies in the greater Accra region have embarked on the piloting of this initiative where we saw environmental health officers from the various assemblies, particularly that of Ablikuma North, Ayawaso North, Ayawaso West Wagon, and then also we've had um, the Ablikuma uh, central, these assemblies embarking on the operation Clean Your Frontage. So the officials pay visit to communities and shops uh, in some of the municipalities where if filth is seen within your vicinity, you mm. are actually summoned and then subsequently dealt with by the assembly. But so far, because it's piloting, most of the sanctions are not that uh, punitive Pinted. enough. So what but for one of the assemblies, that is the Crow around Nungwa, the municipal environmental health officer told us that for them they've even prosecuted some people already for engaging in open defecation because these are acts that actually get the community very dirty and then you know results in so many insanitary conditions within the municipality so they are bent on actually fighting this uh, sanitation issue in the greater Accra region did the team also engage um residents of the various areas that they went to um i believe there are some challenges they mm. may have um, come up with mm. so the government has made it clear that indeed sanitation issue in Accra is one that is very very critical and people need to be really sensitized and educated on this policy uh, it's not all about the punitive measures but the need for people to understand that it's a behavioral thing that you need to inculcate mm. you can't always be punished for doing what is not right you also need to inculcate that habit that well it's my responsibility to also ensure cleanliness in my immediate environs because once you fall sick 
it, it, it behooves on you to spend on your own health so it also saves us uh, from wasting much uh, on our health and these are things that the government particularly the greater Accra regional minister uh, is trying to focus on you mentioned Crowo. Um, which other area have you been to mm. so f since the last two weeks we've been to Ayawaso west we've been to Ablekuma north we've been to um what do you call it madina zongo uh, madina zongo that's langkwantanan mm. and then some other places mm. yeah and some of the places you visit and for Ayawaso west for instance we didn't get much of the places being that filthy mm. but you visit some communities like sukura and then um, what do you call it russia and the other adjoining areas within the Ablekuma Central Municipality, you get to know that there's so much filth. In some places, you see fecal waste in mm. washrooms and all that, where people actually, uh, you know, engage in this activity. And when they are going to bath, they push the water through the bath, uh, the the what do you call it, the liquid waste area, and then ensure that it flashes the fecal waste away. Which, so this is a really which is something that mm. is not good at all for you know, our, our health in mm. particular. So these are some of the things that the authorities actually decided to fight against. Yeah. Mm. So you have mentioned how some areas were really dirty. Is there mm. a challenge of not having receptacles or dustbins to put mm. their waste so into? Sometimes you, you, you get to know that some of the issues has to do with the poor drainage system. So the gutter isn't that wide enough to accommodate the free flow of water. In some instances, some are also wide all right, but the filth that has engulfed these gutters makes it impossible for the free flow of water. And you, 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 you get to see that so much filth engulfed in these gutters and it's very, very appalling. So the sanitation issue in Accra indeed is very, very worrying. And mm. the government believes that with the rollout of the operation Clean Your Frontage, some of these concerns would be addressed okay so we'll be speaking about um what is expected on next tuesday but let's hear from some residents and shop owners at madina zungu junction um, who are around the la Nkwantanan area who have raised concerns about the indiscriminate disposal of waste Top bar is walkway and so on and anybody who passes here dumps rubbish into the gutter and sometimes I go to pay. Okay, sometimes occasionally I pay 100 CD, 50 CD for this Abubuya to clear. By the, by the end of the day, it's all full of that. You can see that. You see. And I'm tired of paying out of my meager uh, uh, pension. I go to the council to complain. They themselves come here to clear occasionally. And within a couple of days, it's full again. And they have done nothing about the source of the trouble. It's all from here. They have no dumping ground. They have no rubbish dump. They have no toilet. They have nothing. It's all on this in this gutter. You see, and that is the problem here. I We used to pay ten Ghana cities to get the gutters cleaned. But at a point, they stopped cleaning, so we stopped paying as well. We cook and sell around here and pour liquid into the gutter. If you stop us, we would struggle. This is the only way we dispose our liquid. But if they return, we would pay. 
so you had some residents and shop owners at Madina Zungu Junction um, talking about the indiscriminate um, waste disposal of waste in their gutters, um, basically their frontage, and they have raised some concerns. What were the responses or reactions from the municipal assembly, for instance? Some of these residents and shop owners had indicated that they are not the contributors of these filth that we see in the gutters. Mostly they close the shop and then they go to their various houses. You return the next day to work and then people nearby or passers-by just drop these, you know, refuse into the gutters. And, well, according to officials of the various assemblies, once this particular initiative, that's the Operation Cleaning of Frontage, is actually rolled out it's going to ensure that these issues are addressed because if you don't stay or work anywhere close to someone's shop mm. then you you just have to have that at the back of your mind that once you drop any filth any refuse or any debt in front of someone's frontage you could also be dealt with so that this you know initiative would also help to address such concerns because if the person isn't there and someone comes to drop filth there once you come, well, you you have that mandate to clean up the area and then ensure that people do not come and dirty the area because if they do so, you are still going to be held responsible. Mm. Yeah. So um, on Tuesday, which is February 1, um, the operation Clean Your Fronted Policy is expected to roll out. Um, sure. Is it across um, all the um, MMDs in, in, in the Greater Accra Region? Oh. So according to the Greater Accra Regional Minister, this is the policy that is supposed to be rolled out in all the municipalities in the Greater Accra Region. So each and every assembly would have to embark on this initiative. And then more of sensitization, more of education, and then from there the prosecution would commence because once you've been educated on the need for you to keep your environs clean and you still, uh, you know, let me use the word adamant and mm. then go ahead to engage in these filthy acts, then obviously the law would have to deal with you. So, for instance, I live in Adabraka. Mm. Um, do they just come and inspect my surrounding or um, they have a van that will be um, broadcasting in a language that mm. may be known to the people who live around for them to understand what they're preaching? I mean, how is that going to work? So there are jingles that have been done to, you know, as it were, to help with the education and then the sensitization. Aside the jingles and all that, the government has also indicated that mobile vans would also be deployed mm. and then the leaflets that would also be shared to also uh, educate the public on these things. So these are some of the avenues that are going to be used to create the awareness from Tuesday. Okay, so these are various communities within the Greater Accra region. Now let's yes. come to something that, um, in, I mean, interested me or sparked my interest this um, afternoon. The Greater Accra Regional Minister, I don't know, if was he a press conference or was he speaking to traders, the Central Business okay. District, uh, okay, uh, where um, the traders there say that they are not going to heed to an ultimatum or deadline to leave the pavement. Are these the same people um, that were allowed during the Christmas festivities to sell? Yes. So um, ahead of the festive season, the Greater Accra Regional Minister indicated that these traders would have to be allowed to undertake their businesses because most of them could have gone for loans to undertake their business. So it wouldn't be fair for government to embark on decongestion exercise. So they were allowed 
to undertake their activities along the streets and on the pavement. But after the Christmas or the festive mm. season, the government has indicated that, well, it's time for us to go back to the market and undertake our business activity because in his interaction with the market, Greater Accra Market Women Association, it was made clear that some of these traders have shops in the market mm. and they've used them as wholesale. So they have their goods in there. Okay. During the day, they come out They come out onto the streets to undertake their business. And then later in the night, they pack them into the shops. So they have refused to, to use the shops. And there are some instances that where you have somebody who is just coming from the house to also undertake uh, trading activities along the street. So the minister just indicated that, well, it's time for each and everyone to go back into the market. From Tuesday, he's just going to ensure that the tax force will clear all these people from the street so that we could have a decongested Accra for So it, it's still part of the operation. Okay, so let's listen, let's listen to Henry Corte, who's a great Accra regional minister. There was a stakeholder engagement with the various trader unions um, ahead of the rollout of the policy. Uh, Kindly inform your members that we shall clear all the streets of trading activities from 1st February and I will not be deterred by the usual I voted for you comments. I shall personally supervise the exercise because the traders are obstinate. All the mobile phone dealers along the street should move from there because I will order the tax force to clear all the structures and bend them to ashes because they are very stubborn. The treacher drivers who have also failed to pick up passengers from the designated places would also be cleared. So that was Henry Cotte, the Greater Accra Regional Minister. Very strong words there. What, what was the response? We've run out of time. What, what was the response of the trader unions? Well, they had no choice mm. than to say that well, they are going to inform their members and then make sure that they comply with this directive. But we've also gone out, mm. as CTTV, we've gone out to solicit the opinion of these traders and some of them are, are bent on being on the street until the military or the tax force comes to meet them. So let, let's see what happens on Tuesday. Thank you very much. That was Ni Ayikwe Okang of the City Newsroom. We were discussing the Operation Clean Your Frontage policy. That'll be all on this edition of Eyewitness News. My name is Zoe Abubedu Ado, show produced by Sextus Dong Ulo, Bevelyn London, and Fred Tete Jabano. Technical assistance from Daniels Kwashi. Stay tuned.
City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline to 976-732 on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and Twitter at City 973.